0: Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Wow, good morning. Y'all, I feel like the tent prepared us for this. We're ready for such a time just going to sweat. It's good. (laughs) It's warmer up here, so there you go. (laughs) Y'all look good. It's good to see (laughs) y'all. Well, I'm excited to share today. I've had this word on my heart for a a handful of months and just been feeling the Lord brewing something in me and wanted to bring it and uh, bringing it. (laughs) Um, I feel this call to courage that we're calling our body to. And just to lead the life that God has put inside of you, we have got to be people of courage. And I just feel this churning in my belly that says, we're gonna be those people, we're gonna be those people of courage. And when you live discouraged, (laughs) the courage is being stripped away. You don't take risks. Uh, You know, we don't dream anymore when we're discouraged. And I feel like the world is like looking for hope. They're looking for brokers of hope. They're looking for people that see things a little differently. And I know that we are those people. And I, I just feel this deposit coming for us, a deposit of courage, a deposit into our insides of encouragement. And so that's what I'm going to share on today. Uh, I had the... Privilege in January, I went to Reading, and I got to go to this small pastor's meeting. It was like a little retreat for three days, and we were out there with about 30 or so churches, and I literally felt a tangible deposit of courage, and and I was like, I'm, I've been looking back on it and like digesting it a little and asking the Lord what he was doing, and it wasn't, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't It wasn't crazy. It was like rubbing shoulders with other pastors. And they would lean over and say, oh, I have this great hope for Bethel Atlanta. And I'm like, oh, tell me more. And they would just start rattling off about our call. And then I'd just be walking down the hall and a school of ministry student would come up to me and give me a prophetic word. And I'm like, oh, like I felt this rising inside of me like, oh, there's more courage to be had. Like there's more to be had, to partake of. And so um, I've even felt like like a churning in my belly like I'm hungry. You know that feeling? Like I'm like, and I felt like God saying, oh, I'm depositing courage. Like I'm depositing courage. And so um, I think it's an interesting season we're living in. I think there's a need to define what courage is. <laughs> you know, I don't know that I would have ever said that, but um, it doesn't mean you're the loudest person in the room it doesn't mean you're the most opinionated person in the room. It's not the biggest personality on Facebook. This is not courage. It, it doesn't require you to be an activist for a cause or champion something. It is actually the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that activates you to do the call of God on your life, that we, which he has called you to. And I just know that he has just been depositing things inside of us. Dan said it last week as the close of worship. He said dreams are being deposited in us. And these are dreams um, that are unique to us. He said, you know, some of you might be called to pray for a person with this specific disease and see them healed. Some of you are called to influence the business world with kingdom ideas. Some of you are called to raise the dead, heal the sick. We're all called to all of that, but there are unique deposits being deposited in each of us and they will require us to be people of courage. Um, Courage is something that's just coupled with hope and coupled with belief. And it's the assurance of God's call. So, to do what we're called to do and be who we're called to be, we get to be people of courage. So, um, the counter of courage is discouragement. <laughs> Who's this, who in this room has been discouraged this week? Okay, the rest of you are thinking about it. <laughs> discouragement feels heavy and like it's very tangible. Discouragement feels like a ripping away of our courage. And when we live discouraged, we no longer dream, we no longer press into the things God's called us, but it's too costly for us to live discouraged. I can't afford to live discouraged. You can't afford to live discouraged. And so there's just some keys when faced with discouragement. So I think it's naive to think we won't be faced with discouragement. So it's better to prepare ourselves. (laughs) you got to keep the truth in front of you, okay? Discouragement is just deposits from the father of lies. Hopelessness is deposits from the father of lies. And it's there to rob us. <laughs> and those that are um, discouraged, we have to combat it, those lies with the truth. We have to anchor ourselves in the truth. And so... There's so much truth that's found in community. You know, I think all of us realized during the last two years how important community is. And isolation is just a breeding ground for discouragement. I I think it's a a tactic of the enemy to pull us away, to either have shame, offense, isolation, and then there's just like room for discouragement. And I think this truth deposit also comes from not only the word of the Lord, but it comes from, you know, Mary telling me, Lauren, hey, raise, raise, your, raise your thoughts. That, that's not the thoughts of the Lord. Oh, have you thought about this call in your life? And so staying in community um, keeps us in the truth. It keeps us grounded, and God uses people, words of wisdom, words of knowledge through people, prophetic words to call us into courage, to encourage us. Um, I also felt like the Lord was talking about how we guard our heart in the midst of discouragement. So I've just loved this verse forever, Proverbs four twenty three: Above all else, guard your heart for everything from- flows from it. The message says keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life begins. So it's super tricky to guard your heart um, when you have hope deferred. (laughs) Hope deferred makes the heart sick. (laughs) And so God's telling us, guard that heart, because that's where life's coming from, but hope deferred makes your heart sick. (laughs) It feels a little counter. And so uh, this is really cool, because about two months ago, it was a Sunday morning, and I was laying in bed, and I was asking the Lord, Lord, what do you wanna do today? What do you wanna do? And I saw this picture of an anatomically correct heart. You know, with all the aorta and all, (laughs) I don't even know. (laughs) My only recollection of this is in high school, dissecting a cow's heart and winning all the science fairs year after (laughs) year. So I'm picturing this heart. I'm probably picturing a cow heart, honestly. But the Lord showed me all these like stitches and these breaks and these gashes and these holes. And I saw him like with such intricacy, like knitting it together and like sewing this heart back together. And he said, oh, I'm healing your heart. I'm healing hearts today. I'm not just healing your heart, Lauren. I'm healing hearts today. he has sent me on this journey for eight, six, seven, eight weeks of healing heart wounds that I didn't even know were there. You know, it's his kindness to both bring them to our attention and then to go in and heal it. And I can probably tell you seven or eight instances in the last two months where he's brought something up to my attention. Brought a person to my attention. I found an old letter. Like the most unique circumstances. And he's like, oh, you didn't even know that was a gash in your heart. <laughs> I'm going to heal it. And, and it's just his kindness. But I, when he told me that two months ago, it wasn't just a word for me. It was a word for us. And I felt him inviting us. To, to guard against discouragement, he's going to heal our hearts because from our heart flows the wellspring of life. And so he's invited us into that. And it's, you know, it's, it's free for the taking. <laughs> and it's both like wonderful and painful because <laughs> that's the way of the Lord sometimes, right? <laughs> he's like, oh, do you want to have life flow from your heart? Yeah, okay, well, let's, let's heal it up. Let's stitch it up. Let's, let's mend these things. Let's mend the gashes. So in this journey, as we fight against discouragement, I'm anchoring myself in the truth, in community, and allowing him to just touch places of my heart that I didn't even know needed it so that my life flows from it. So... As I'm thinking about courage, what does it look like? How y'all doing? Y'all doing good? Good. Um, I've been thinking uh, and sitting with Ezekiel for a while. Y'all know Ezekiel, these prophets, they were wildly courageous. (laughs) They were wild. You know, they laid on their side. He laid on his side for 390 days. (laughs) Like crazy prophetic acts, cutting his hair, cooking food with crazy stuff, you know. <laughs> You're making me blush. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he cooked his food over poop. <laughs> he did crazy things that the Lord told him to do. I don't know, I'm making me nervous i'm like, I'm sweating more now. this is great. <laughs> so the Lord took him to this valley of dry bones, and he said he said can this can these bones live and Ezekiel was so wise to say, Only you know, Lord, <laughs> so wise and the Lord started showing him what could happen to these bones. <laughs> and he started just saying, okay, Ezekiel, command, command the, the sinews and the bones and the flesh to come on these bones. And then command breath into these bones. And a mighty, like bit by bit, breath and life entered these bones. And they became a mighty army. Wow. Wow. So Ezekiel, he saw beyond what was obvious. Yeah. He saw beyond what was in front of him. He, he was leading the way with courage, speaking to these bones and calling forth that which was not as though it was. He was a bearer of hope. <laughs> these, these bones represented hopelessness. Yeah. Like, we have no hope. And we have to remember what God's saying and what he has said. So something, something followed his prophetic act as this mighty army rose up. God said in his next act, he said, hey, grab two sticks. One is a stick that represents Judah, and one is a stick that represents Joseph. Pull them together. And he said in verse 17, then join them together into one stick so that they become one in your hand. So a few verses later in verse 22, it says, I'll make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel and one king will rule over all of them. Then they'll no longer be two nations and will never again be divided into two kingdoms. He did a prophetic act with crazy courage after this army rose up out of nothing and bones and united the kingdom of Israel under one king. And I just can't help but think how unity followed his courage. There was a unity in the spirit that happened by him doing this prophetic act of grabbing two sticks, bringing two, two sides of Israel together that would always be united under one king. I love the prophetic nature of our worship. I love Vanessa and the team and leading. And A handful of months ago, Vanessa was singing with Dara, and they're singing back and forth like, your king is my king, and my king is your king. And I just hear this song echoing through his act of courage. All of Israel became united under one king. Your king is my king, and my king is your king, following this Valiant walk of courage. Wow. And, and I look at the life of Jesus. <laughs> the most courageous one we know. <laughs> he did nothing like we would expect. <laughs> he was just full of surprises. He, he didn't say what the crowds demanded he say. He said things like eat my flesh and drink my blood, and everyone left. And his disciples are like, oh, really? That's a great, interesting choice. Like, oh, so that's what you decided to lead with. <laughs> yeah. He, when he answered questions, it, it almost, I'm like, did you hear that question? I didn't think that's what they were asking. Often. He wasn't swayed by the expectation. He, his courage didn't, it wasn't rooted in, well, they're demanding this of me. I'm going I'm to give them what they're asking for. I also love his pace. <laughs> you know, he gets word that Lazarus is sick, and he doesn't change his pace at all. <laughs> you guys, Everything in me, the responsibility in me, would be like, "We gotta go. We gotta get to Lazarus. We gotta save him. Look, Jesus. All these people get saved by your touch. We gotta go." And he didn't. He didn't seem to 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 get a little hop in his step at all. <laughs> and it, I think it'd be a little offensive. <laughs> and he kept the pace of the Father. And that's our invitation. Like what? What is the pace of our Father in this hour? Because there is pressure to show up at the right time. There is pressure to answer the question in the hour. But I think the Lord walks at a different pace than we do. And I think Jesus modeled this so beautifully. Like my eyes are on the Father and I'll show up to Lazarus four days after he's been in that tomb. And then I get to grieve with the people, and then I get to raise them from the dead. And you know, we had another plan. <laughs> his plan was so much better. His pace was so much better. But the amount of courage, because if I'm his disciple, I'm like, you you want me to you want me to lead the way? You ready? <laughs> we can walk a little faster. <laughs> I'll go get lunch. Let's keep going. You know. But that's not his way. (laughs) Are we courageous enough to follow his way? (sighs) Because the call on our life is huge. But it actually requires us to live and walk in his courage. I don't think we can have courage without having hope they go hand in hand to me. You know, you think about hope. Like, I'm not going to go in Kroger and pray for that guy if I don't have a hope that he's going to get healed. Otherwise, that's pretty awkward. <laughs> like <laughs> I got to get my bread and get out of here. No, like we have to have this hope like, oh, I've seen. I've seen people's knees get healed before and you're hobbling around and oh, the God of the impossible lives inside of me, it's worth this stepping out in courage to go talk and pray for your knee. You know, uh, we, we get to be courageous in our everyday life. There are conversations on a daily basis where we can shy away from or we can boldly go in with courage. And I I'm gonna go in with courage because I'm like, oh, we're gonna actually be closer after this. This is gonna build connection and intimacy if I, if I confront something or repent of something or just go into this like with an open heart, a heart that's willing to, to um, be molded and, bended by you. And so, it. But I have to have hope that there's something on the other side of that. There's a there's an outcome worth worth the uncomfortability if you will Jen was talking about this space in between because we're not at the promise you know i think if we're if if we're living in the promise of a of something that god's deposited in us he's probably already given the next thing that we're in the middle of you know, like there is a beautiful moment in like oh, i'm living in the promise of something he promised me, but he's also set my eyes on something else, and like i'm, I'm in some areas of our life we're in the in between yeah. like and and the call in our life it it is so broad like there are there are calls on my life in parenting, there's calls on my life in leadership, there's calls on my life to start schools, there's call, and we, every, everyone in this room, you know when your heart starts burning with passion when you hear something? Like, there is, you are part of that. Like, God de- is depositing something in you. And so, there are areas and dreams and deposits in us that are not yet, <laughs> that are in the in-between, in the space. And it takes courage to look at it with hope and not despair in the waiting. And so, I, I feel like we have the opportunity to hope before the promise, (laughs) because once the promise is is achieved, there's no room for hope. It's already passed. Like, oh, (laughs) that's good. (laughs) Napoleon he said, leaders are brokers of hope. And I just go places these days, and I feel this like void of hope in the room. I feel a void of hope talking to people at the soccer field, and I'm like, oh, we get to be carriers of this hope. And, and if you don't have hope today, that's actually okay. Romans 15, 13 says that may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So by believing Hope rises. And so, you know, I think I used to think, well, we're going to declare ourselves into hopeless, hopefulness. <laughs> like, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to work out. We're going to be healed. The Lord's actually inviting us to change our belief. He's inviting us to renew our mind to where, out of our overflow, I'm like, oh, it's going to be good. We are going to be healed. It comes from a belief and not a I'm going to work really hard to have hope. (laughs) It's very different. And there is a beauty in the waiting. Like, we actually don't get that opportunity again. Like, you know, if we have, like, I know people's stories in this room. I know my own story. There are things and promises and healings and wholeness and that we've been waiting for and promised. And Until the promise is fulfilled, I get to either cultivate hope or not. (laughs) But when that promise is fulfilled, I no longer have the opportunity to cultivate that hope. It's an opportunity in the moment, in the middle, in the space. And my hope hinges on his shoulders. So I'm not mustering up all of the, we can do it. I'm going to be hopeful. I don't have to muster it up. I get to invite him through believing to renew the way I think. Okay, God, I'm not hopeful about this yet. Where am I believing a lie? What do you believe about this? What, what are you saying? Okay, maybe I'm not hearing something. Hey, I'm doing life with you. What are you, sa- what are you hearing about this? What, can you remind me of some of the promises? <laughs> I'm seeming to forget. This is why we're in community. Remind me of what he said. Hey, give me a prophetic word. <laughs> Let courage rise. Let my mind be renewed. I felt it in Reading. I mean, I feel it often, but there was this moment there. I'm like, oh, I feel like I came feeling this way, and I left feeling this way. I felt like there was an encouragement, an instillment of courage Um, Jen, a few months ago, preached, and she said, return to hope as a dwelling place. Proven character sustains a life of hope. You were talking out of Romans 5, you know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Can we return to a place of hope? Can that be my dwelling place? Can I dwell from that place you know, our circumstances don't have to change for us to be encouraged. We can be encouraged in the middle. <laughs> we have to be, actually. <laughs> and I just, I, I have just been dreaming of a people of God, like of, a Bethel Atlanta church, that looks like a bunch of courageous people that walk into people's lives and they bring a hope that's higher than what the circumstances say. Can y'all picture 300 people that were walking into our community and carrying a tangible hope? Do you know how like we 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 do this well, but I think we can do this more. <laughs> I mean, I was talking to John Cole up here last week and and he just like started looking me in the eye and saying like beliefs in me and I was like <gasps> You know, you like feel this hope infusion, and you feel this courage rising. It's so tangible, and it's actually so easy. (laughs) We're actually really good at it because we see what the Father's seeing, we hear His voice, we just have to open our mouth and tell it to each other. (laughs) We can be the we can be the most encouraging people, which would in turn make us the most courageous. And so. We get to walk around with crazy courage as bethel a people and touch our city and crazy answers of hope that don't match our circumstances because our circumstances can change. Michael Maiden, he... Do y'all know Michael? He's a a prophet, and just he comes once a year and speaks and shares, and he's on our apostolic leadership team. And so about uh, two weeks ago, we had a call with him on Zoom and our senior team, and he started, um, you know, it was an hour and a half of pure encouragement slash prophetic. (laughs) It felt like just a fire hose of goodness just coming at us. I mean, it was, I mean, I left like holding my head higher. I left the day like, wow, what a day. Like we could take on the world. (laughs) And it was truly just infusions of hope and courage, time and prophetic. And, and it was so beautiful. (laughs) And, uh, and I left thinking, oh, we got to do this all the time we got to do this all the time. Yeah. he. Uh, I was looking through some old notes, and a couple of years ago when he was here, he said this. He said, every prophetic word should have an interwoven thread about purpose. And he's building a tapestry, a puzzle, a frame. The vision you have for tomorrow determines the si- decisions you make today. When people lose vision, they lose hope. When they lose hope, they get in emotional trouble. Hope is oxygen to your soul. There's a wonderful hope in God in prophetic encounters. We could be the people that bring oxygen to people's souls. (laughs) Let me just deposit some oxygen. And as Vanessa was singing, we are believing believers. Like through belief, our hope will rise. All joy and peace and hope that rises. And I think that heaven and earth are waiting. They're waiting for the people of God to just rise to the occasion. They're waiting. I think our neighbors, I think our friends on the soccer field, I think the people we work with, I think the shift that could take place by Bethel and us being people of courage that deposit encouragement, that deposit hope into each of the people we run with, it would make a huge impact. Because I just know that we have to have courage to do what God has called us to do and be who he's called us to be. And so we're going to stand up and I'm just going to pray over us Y'all just hold out your hands. Hmm. And I would just ask that um, that you would just make a make a mental adjustment if you want to be a person that ups their courage and ups their encouragement. And Lord, um, I would just ask you to say yes to the Lord that you are want more of this in your life. And so God, we just, we just, we're grateful for who you've invited us to be. We're grateful for all the deposits of dreams, ideas, prophetic words. Uh, We're grateful for the call that you have on our life. And we don't want to do it alone. God, we want to do it rubbing shoulders with the people around us. We want to do it in not in isolation, but in community. God, I just pray that this body of believers is the most encouraging people that we've ever seen. That we are depositors of hope and courage into everyone we encounter. God, I ask that you just... Build up the courage within each of us. I just pray that we are people who see the future and say, okay, God, not yet, but I'm holding on hope. I'm changing the way I believe. I'm aligning my hopes with you. I'm aligning my belief system with you. God, we just say yes to all you have. And we say yes to be people of courage. We say yes to being people of courage. We rise to the call of courage. We rise to the call that you have. We thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.